This podcast is recorded for educational and informative purposes and does not replace medical advice. Breastfeeding, lactation and motherhood with Rebecca Tischler, founder of Milky Goodness, Australia's largest and most educational podcast covering all things breastfeeding, lactation and motherhood. Rebecca Tischler here, hoping that between the tears and laughter of this podcast and with what I've learned since becoming the founder of Milky Goodness, we can help to educate you in your beautiful journey and help ease some of the pressures around breastfeeding, lactation and motherhood. Okay, let's jump in. Hello and welcome back to our newest episode. Karen, thank you so much for being here today with us again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Wonderful. So we have a really, really good topic ahead of us for today, one that mm. I'm really excited about. So latch and learn together, your comprehensive guide to attachment. So as the title says, we are going to cross over everything to do with attaching a newborn baby. Now, for me personally, having the correct attachment during my breastfeeding journeys was, it played a massive, massive part in a successful breastfeeding journey. So I am really keen to hear your experience um, with new mums, first time mums, or even second and third time mums, and how the latching and uh, attachment plays a pivotal role in a breastfeeding journey. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a topic that I spend a lot of my time, um, teaching and also learning myself. Um, and the reason that I say learning myself is because every baby and every mom is different. So, um, while there are a lot of kind of tips and guidelines that I will revert back to and try and encourage, um, there is a lot of times where I'm like, oh, oh, that's okay. That's actually working better. Or, you know, so it's just, it's really amazing to watch, you know, a mom and a baby together. Um, and that, that union is different to everyone that I've seen. So yeah. yeah, exactly. As you just pointed out, then every mother is different. Every baby is different. Mm. And from one breastfeeding journey that you can have, you may find different things work yeah. for subsequent breastfeeding journeys. And, and even like when a mum comes into a mother's group or, or relays with another yes, mother definitely. in the same situation, you yeah. know, this worked for me, what did or didn't work for the other mother. So yeah, yeah. it's about um, kind of picking up all of these little things along the way and learning from lots of people. And yeah, I think every mum kind of goes through the journey where they're like, oh, this is what everyone said would work and it hasn't. Yeah. But then this works. So yeah. But I think having um, yeah. having a range of information put forward and available Definitely. to you to then try different things yeah. and determine this is what worked for me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also knowing like what is not like what they don't want to see or what they, you know, what could be kind of a sign of an early problem occurring is mm. also good. Yeah. All right. We'll take us back to the very beginning. So obviously learning and having an understanding about attachment comes well before actually having a baby. So even listening to a podcast episode like this for anyone who was pregnant or and planning to breastfeed, yeah. having that early understanding and education is really, really important. But let's say fast forward, we're kind of at the stage where Bub is born and we're looking at attachment right from the beginning. Yes. Run us through how everything works there. Yep. So with attachment, um, I think it's probably first to, important to mention is that it does, while, while breastfeeding is very natural, our body is you know, meant to breastfeed. We have all this beautiful hormonal response when our baby is born um, and our baby instinctively has a lot of skill and is able to find the breast a lot of the time on their own. Um, there is a component that usually requires some practice, a little bit of technique, um, and for every 
we, we say dyad. So that's like a mother and baby combination mm-hmm. <laughs> for every dyad. There's a different kind of level of which that technique needs to come into play. Um, and you know, for some kind of very lucky moms and babies, they'll, they'll get a baby that just kind of gets on and off they go. And they just kind of figure it out as, as they go, um, without too many problems. And then, you know, for others, there are, you know, kind of complications that might stand in the way. There might be a period of separation after birth for, you know, unexpected reasons. Um, and so these can kind of come into play and take away from that. We call it the hour of power, that first breastfeed, that kind mm. of introduction to breastfeeding for the first time. And it doesn't matter if it's your first baby or your 10th, um, kind of every, every breastfeeding journey is a little bit different. So, mm. Um, I think for a lot of second and third time moms, actually, they go into breastfeeding thinking that, oh, well, I breastfed my other, my first baby and things will be okay. And then things might be a little bit different. So yeah, I guess it's important to acknowledge, uh, that it, that part of the journey, that first hour, that first breastfeed is not necessarily a true reflection of how things are going to go, but it is very important. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, we talk about the, uh, first breastfeed. Um, if you've had a normal delivery and your baby is up on your chest, they may start showing signs of wanting to breastfeed almost immediately, or they may want to rest and recover and watch the world around them and take mm. it all in. Um, and so, you know, those precious moments are really important for you to be able to enjoy that skin to skin contact. And we'll go into that a little bit, um, today as well, but mm-hmm. it's so important for your baby in terms of their recovery. It's so important for you. Um, but being, being able to watch your baby's behavior and respond to your baby's behavior is one of the best ways to help them to attach. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of the biggest tips for attachment is to let your baby control the whole situation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Whether that's when they want to feed how they want to feed to a certain extent. um, And often the duration too needs to be controlled by your baby as opposed to by us. Yep. Um, the rationale for that is that, you know, if you think back to our ancestors before we had technology and before we had hospitals and, you know, breast pumps and bottles and dummies, everything that we have we, at our yeah, disposal all of these, these all days, of these, yeah, all of these tools that we kind of have at our disposal. But before we had all of that, we didn't, we didn't have anything. We just had a mom and a baby and, you know, once that baby was born, they had to breastfeed or else, you know, it like instinctive, <laughs> instinctive. Yeah. And so, you know, our, our response to you know, our baby was to, oh, they're hungry. I'm going to feed them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that kind of comes into my, my first point, which is, um, something called demand feeding. And it's something that I really, really encourage as much as I possibly can. Um, demand feeding literally means what it sounds. Uh, it, it's responding to your baby's demand. So, um, for a newborn, there are circumstances where they will need to feed, you know, kind of a certain amount of times in 24 hours, especially in the first couple of days while we're trying to establish, you know, are they able to attach? Are they getting enough? Are they recovering from delivery? Because it's a big journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they able to have wet and dirty nappies? What's their weight like? Yep. Um, in the hospital environment, this is obviously a little bit more controlled than it would be outside of the hospital environment. So, you know, you're, you're kind of interacting with midwives, nurses, doctors who are looking after eight, nine, 15 babies at once. And so they kind of come in, see a very small picture of that 24 hour window and say, you know, Oh, how many times is your baby fed? Or have they fed every three hours? Or what are their nappies doing? Where it's not really a full picture of how is your baby? What's going on? Like, what was your night like? How is, you know, and seeing the whole 24 hour picture is so important because things change so much, especially in the first week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really does come down to, you know, watching what your baby needs as a big picture process, not just a kind of one, one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've developed this little acronym <laughs> and it's kind of a way for me to remember, 
I guess the points that I also want to get across. And I thought we could go through it today too. Yeah, fantastic. Just to try and help, yeah, mums to kind of have it in the back of your mind um, in terms of, you know, learning how to attach your baby for the first time and for the first couple of weeks. Yep. Um, the acronym is called BF sessions or breastfeeding sessions. <laughs> um, and um, we can kind of go through that kind of like one letter at a time if you're happy to. Yeah, most um, definitely. I think having any any good and educational way to be able to remember different mm, points. And even if yeah. you don't need to know each individual or, or utilize each individual point, you've got something there as a reference. So yeah, I think, yeah, let's let's go through. Let's see what this acronym stands for what have you created what, what are you what are you birthing into the breastfeeding world Karen so excited <laughs> soon to arrive <laughs> um so BF uh which we kind of use as an acronym ourselves all the time when we're writing about breastfeeding um but in this case could stand for baby led feeding which is just what I was talking about so um focusing on watching your baby not the clock which is mm-hmm. a sentence that I say all the time I feel like a broken record now mm. um and that's really to reassure mums that that um, your baby's behavior will reflect what they need. There are some examples where this is not the case. So obviously, you know, this is kind of outside of the picture of what we would consider normal. So for a baby who's premature, a baby who's, you know, small for gestational age, so they're a low birth weight at like when they're born, um, or they, you know, kind of have some other complicating factors in the mix. For example, if mom has diabetes or there's kind of a whole range and I won't, I won't go into all of them, but there are some circumstances where, yes, we do need to kind of monitor how often a baby is feeding, particularly in the first week. Yep. Um, but outside of that first week, and we know that the milk supply is starting to establish, we know that baby is able to attach without causing any damage um, and breastfeeding is going well, mm-hmm. then you should just be led by your baby's demand. So that, you know, when you're at home, that picture kind of looks a bit different every day. You know, your baby might want to feed every two or three hours. They might want to feed every five or six. And it's it's important to, I guess, empower mums to realize that that's what nature intends. In the same way that, you know, you and I, we don't eat consistent amounts of food every, you know, exactly every, every set three hours. hours. Yeah. 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 Technically I think we're supposed to eat like 200 grams of food or 300 grams of food. Oh, which I, I never don't know. Do. I, I eat when I'm hungry, which <laughs> exactly. makes total sense yeah, yeah. that a baby is and going. sometimes you snack, right? Like it's yes. not a meal. You'll just be like, Oh, I just a little bit peckish. I'm just grazing have like something, on something. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And so newborns are the same. They, they just want to, they want to feed when they want to feed and they want to have as much as they want to have. And, and in that 24 hour window, that's how they control and they take out what they need, but they have the whole day. They don't just have this one feed. And so, you know, whether that looks like they do one side and then they come off and they're happy and they feed an hour later. Okay, great. They're having another feed. Like it's kind of taking the pressure off and being like, Oh, he only had the left or he only had the right. And I need to get both. And it just starts to complicate things a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think by following baby's lead and whilst ensuring they're hitting all of the correct milestones, like you said, yeah. output is fine and everything like yeah, that. Absolutely. Follow babies. Yeah. It just makes guide. it so much easier. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's kind of demand feeding, um, in a little bit of a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, There are going to be obviously differences to every kind of 24 hour period, but usually the first four weeks kind of everything's all up in the air Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and they might feed really frequently. They might have big, long sleeps, Um, preferably overnight would be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I'm barracking for all the mums out there. That's what we want. But in saying that, (laughs) 
Those overnight feeds, we've touched on this before. The yes. overnight feeds are so beneficial and important, so important. too. So it, don't yeah. rule them out. If anyone is experiencing multiple frequent overnight feeds, yeah. number one, remember, I mean, it's not going to be like this all the time. Yeah, but number two, there are reasons, there are benefits to it. So absolutely. do not feel that, you know, your lack of sleep or your constant wake-ups are – a diff- a, a, yeah, yeah, they're not a bad thing by any means. Yeah, and actually, our body is intended to provide your baby with hormones and nutrients um, in order to help them dial down, which is a term I hear all the time, and I love it. Um, and that basically means to help your baby to settle and to learn to settle overnight. It helps to regulate their sleep cycle. So it's yeah, it's very important. Yeah. I, will, I will try not to waffle about that too. But. <laughs> All right. So now if we're going to look at attachment and making sure that attachment is done correctly, what are your key points to ensuring attachment is done correctly? Yep. So we'll start with our first letter of our acronym (laughs) sessions. Um, So that would be S, which is supported. So when I say supported, I am talking about physical support. You need a good place to be able to sit up and breastfeed, especially when you're learning for the first time um, or just getting used to the technique of being able to hold and support a baby. A lot of new mums and new parents have not held newborns for long periods of time and that confidence to be able to move and support their neck. It takes time and practice um, to feel confident. So being able to have a good place to be sitting up and comfortable breastfeeding, um, good back support is really important. If you Mm. think about once your baby is attached, they could be feeding for half an hour. They could be feeding for 45 minutes, longer, shorter. It just depends. But that's quite a long time to be sitting in an uncomfortable position, especially if you're leaning forward. And you don't realize how much tension that actually will um, take, you know, you're concentrating so much on trying to get your baby attached correctly at times. And so that, that tension does stay and you have to do it potentially, you know, every hour, every two hours for multiple times a a day. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I can remember myself getting like really focusing on making sure that attachment was right, being in a position and then thinking, okay, bubs on good and feeding. Okay. Well, now I'm stuck in this rigid position (laughs) and I don't want (laughs) to risk detaching them or anything like that. So yes, absolutely support and making sure you've set yourself up is really important. And just from a like anatomical perspective too, if you are lying flat on your back, for example, your like breast shape is different, right? As Mm -hmm. opposed to when you are sitting up and sitting forward. And so, you know, if you're leaning forward and attaching your baby while leaning forward, and then now your baby's attached. Okay, great. Just like you said. And then now you try and sit back. You've just changed the whole latch. The breast shape has changed. Everything's moved a little bit. So you run the risk of not sitting back and being really uncomfortable the whole feed, or you do change the latch and go to go again. Yeah. So Seems like really kind of rudimental, but it's so important. Yeah, Get yourself definitely. a really good chair, good arm support. I also bring a lot of um, when I'm when I'm kind of working with a mom and a baby feeding. I bring a lot of like soft items with me. Like I tend to find that breastfeeding pillows and nothing against them, but they tend to be quite big and bulky and chunky, and depending on the brand and size and shape. Yeah. Um, but they tend to not be as easy to maneuver into like little spaces that you need under your baby. So mm-hmm. honestly save yourself some money if you need to <laughs> and just bring some blankets, uh, towels, anything really, yeah. just something soft. Okay. Um, particularly when you're positioning baby and you, you want to take the weight off their legs and their body, basically, you just want to be able to maneuver their head and concentrate on getting that positioning correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking the weight off of their whole body with something soft is hugely beneficial. Yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, supported. Um, next is E for early. So, 
When we talk about early um, feeding, what I mean by that is offering your baby the breast um, as early as you can. Um, when they are starting to show early, early signs of them be being hungry as opposed to crying. So mm -hmm. crying is actually what we call a late feeding cue. It means that for a newborn, they have actually shown you before they were crying that they were starting to think about food and that they're getting hungry and we've missed it. And it happens all the time and it's totally fine. Um, especially overnight, you know, you're not going to be watching your baby and watching for little movements and to see if they're hungry or no, not. You're, you're, you're sleeping. sleeping. Yeah. You are catching <laughs> you up on that valuable sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are going to be times where you miss it and that's okay. So, um, but it's just, I guess, kind of good to know that yeah, being aware you can get of, in early. Yeah. yeah. It just gives you a little bit of time to work with your baby, particularly if you are kind of struggling to attach, or you're still learning, or there is, you know, some difficulty there, um, having that chance to, work with your baby while they're nice and patient and they're just mm. kind of starting to think about food yeah, definitely. <laughs> as opposed to screaming. <laughs> I think right. it would be if you also notice uh, over time, like if you identify the different cues that your mm. baby shows, absolutely. when you yes. realize then it's okay, I'm going to just grab like yeah. that blanket and pop it here and yes. get myself in that get position. Get comfortable and ready. And exactly. It gives yeah. you that extra absolutely. time. Um, and every baby's different, just like you, like you've just touched on, you know, they're, they're going to have different cues when they're hungry. So, um, some of the early feeding cues that you might see are them turning their head side to side or um, opening and closing their mouth, sticking their tongue out, trying to, you know, eat the blanket if they're swaddled. Mm -hmm. um, when they're like lying on your chest, they might start lifting and bobbing their head, um, which is very cute, actually. <laughs> and you can kind of picture what that, yeah. <laughs> you've had babies, you know what they do. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and we call it the, the rooting reflex. So it's where they're like seeking the breast. So um, what I think is really cute is actually when dads are holding their baby or, or your partner is holding their baby and, and your baby starts looking for the breast on them. <laughs> and you're like, I think he, he might be hungry. <laughs> That's funny you say that. I actually was holding, I mean, this isn't quite newborn stage. This baby that I was holding the other day is about six months old, yeah. but I had them over my left shoulder. So they're looking yeah. around, and, but then started sucking on my shoulder. I was like, oh, mom, <laughs> you're not getting anything out of my shoulder, but here yeah. you go, back to mom. Mom will feed you. Yep. Yeah, I'm not the right person for you right now sorry <laughs> so yes that's exactly what I mean those those kind of early signs um is the best time to to start yeah getting like you said get into the right position get comfortable start thinking about um, starting a feed mm -hmm. um so that's e e for early can I just then, um sorry yep. interrupt you there what happens if you look at bub and you think oh I I think I've identified that as an early feeding cue I'm going to get ready to commence a feed. Yeah. You start that feed and they are simply not interested or the yeah. feed doesn't really uh, eventuate into a very yeah. long or very uh, successful, or I say successful feed, meaning that it just, it Could doesn't just be a short, yeah, really or, quick yeah. thing and then determine, okay, they weren't actually that hungry. Yeah. Is, is anything wrong happens, with that? No, happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And especially like right now, while I'm kind of talking about newborns and being able to respond to those early feeding cues, those cues may not be relevant once the milk is fully established. Once you've got a baby that's, you know, interacting with the world a little bit more there, um, you know, there's, there's so much 
external stimuli that a newborn has to get used to. Um, and so it may not be a sign that they're hungry. They may just want to be with you. And I think part of the early, you know, first couple of weeks of having a new baby is trying to figure out what they want. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm just being really bluntly honest, you're like, I don't know what you want. I fed no. you. Like <laughs> The amount of times I can remember standing there scratching my head, you're changed, you're yeah. fed, you're burped. I've I don't know. everything. Yeah. And you know how many times I even yeah. looked at my children and said, tell me, tell me what, what do you want? <laughs> I know you can't. I just wish they could speak. Yeah. The rationale is there. I know you cannot talk, but please, baby, tell yeah, me what tell do you, me what want? you want. Exactly that. That is exactly it. So there are going to be times where you do think, oh, like she's hungry or he's hungry. And, and you go and put them onto the breast and they're like not having it. They're not hungry. They want something else. Yeah. Or they just need a break and they're going to come back to it or they're getting too distressed. And there's going to be lots of those instances. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. So no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You can't... Um, you can't spoil them at this age. You can't um, overfeed them. It's yep. it's so important to be able to offer the rest whenever and at whatever time and for however long you want. Yep. Um, as long as they are touching well. Correctly. Yeah. Which we're going to go into. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes. And, and on that note, before I move on as well, is that breastfeeding is as much a comfort for them and for bonding as much as it is for nutrition. It's not just for their nutritional health, although it is extremely important for that. Um, But it's also so much about how they adjust to the world. You know, they're not used to being outside of the environment that they've been in their whole life. You know, they've been in this beautiful, warm, dark, safe, lovely place, just listening to the sounds of your body and never being out in the cold and never being hungry. And so it's a big, scary environment out here. Um, relatable. <laughs> yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> we would also like to be back in the womb, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's about them trying to adjust to all of that too. So very okay. important. Um, skin to skin. That's um, S. Our next S. Um, our next S. <laughs> um, I briefly talked about this um, when we first kind of opened this episode, and we've talked about this before, but skin-to-skin contact is so incredibly important for newborns. There are benefits... Um, very strong benefits listed until three months of age and beyond. Um, and for premature babies, six months. So it's actually a long time. If you think about a six month baby, um, and having that skin to skin contact with your mom, you don't really think of people doing that kind of past the newborn stage. Um, when I say skin to skin, I'm talking about baby in a nappy and you with a bare chest, um, your baby on you, your partner can do it too. Um, it's so important for, um, their development. It helps to regulate their temperature, heart rate, oxygen levels, helps to regulate your hormones, helps to bring in your milk supply and to regulate it. So it helps prevent from oversupply. Um, so many, I could, I could literally list a thousand, (laughs) um, but it does make a really big difference in the first couple of days. It helps for your own recovery. So when your placenta has detached from the uterus after delivery, there is a quite a big space there that will continue to bleed. So that's why you bleed quite heavily after having a baby. And that skin to skin contact promotes oxytocin, which is our hormone, our love hormone that helps the uterus to contract. So it's actually preventing you from having major bleeding or helping to prevent from. Um, There's just so many benefits. When it comes to attaching a baby, skin to skin for newborns can really help to keep them productive. Um, like I was just saying, you know, coming out into the world is a very exhausting and overwhelming process. So their first kind of 24 to 48 hours can look a little bit different. Some babies might just want to sleep. They're just trying to recover. Um, and in a lot of instances, that's totally fine. It's okay for them to be able to have big, long gaps without waking. 
Um, but if you do want to encourage some productivity when they feed and not have them to go to sleep on the breast, then some skin to skin contact can really help. It basically just means they're naked and out to the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the warmth of your body will keep them from, you know, becoming too cold and it just helps them to, yeah, to stay awake. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Which is good. Um, Our next S. Next S is shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A weird one. But the reason I specifically put it in here is because, um, it's really important when you're attaching your baby not to hold them by their head. Um, sounds really brutal when you put it like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason behind that is that, um, number one, you want their nose to be able to be free so they can breathe. And number two, it just means that you can actually line them up correctly um, onto the breast. So you're having their chin be able to be tucked in. Um, obviously I can't really like show everything in positioning right now. I'm like doing the motions, but I can't do it. But, <laughs> um, if I was to put my hand on the back of your head, yep. <laughs> it would push your nose forward. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I was to put my hand on the back of your shoulders, like the base of your neck, you're actually able to tilt and your lift head your back. nose up. Yeah. And so that's the, the rationale as to why we suggest holding your baby or supporting your baby by the shoulders when you go to attach them and not holding onto their head and putting yep. them onto the rest. Um, so yeah, I'll keep that one nice and simple. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, I is in line. So um, your baby should be in line with your body. Um, what I mean by this is that when you are um, feeding a baby, you want to turn their tummy so their tummy is touching you. Mm-hmm. So tummy to tummy is what we say. Tummy to tummy and nose to nipple when you go to line them up. Yep. Um, and the rationale for this is if they are lying basically on their back facing the sky, you're then having to turn their head towards the breast. And um, it's quite difficult to turn your head and swallow at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I mean, for us, we, you know, when we take a drink of water from a glass, we are literally holding it directly in front of our face. We don't often turn our head and and try and and drink. drink. Yes. Um, So same rationale for a baby. It's just much easier for them to be facing the breast. They're comfortable. It takes the weight off of their body because you can support their body. Um, and it means that they're able to swallow with a lot more ease. And I mean, they're learning how to suck, swallow and breathe at the same time. That's their major skill they have to learn. Um, and they, they do come if, if they're, you know, of the right age, they're not premature. They do come with the ability to do that. They have a reflex to do that, but they do need some support to do that. Yeah. Well, I think that if there's anything that we can do, that's going to aid them, Mm. then it's in our best interest. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And then O, O stands for open mouth. (laughs) Now it sounds really like, again, very rudimental, but um, babies, especially newborns, tend to do a couple of different types of mouthing at the breast. So when they first go to attach to the breast, they may have what we, what I would kind of classify as a small mouth or not big enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they'll kind of mouth around again. I can't show you what I'm trying. <laughs> um, they'll kind of mouth around at the breast, um, while they're looking to get on and they're looking to attach that rooting reflex. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually a waiting kind of like a gaping wide mouth and it could take a couple of attempts. Um, the reason behind that is that there are a couple of things you want to see. Number one, you want their tongue to be down and forward. So um, if they're crying, and again, this kind of links back to feeding them as early as you can. Yep. Um, but if they're crying, their tongue is actually up and back into the back of their mouth. And so you can see almost immediately they're going to put your nipple into their mouth. Their and tongue is not in the work. way. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you need to be on top and at the back of that tongue. So tongue down and forward, um, mouth nice and wide so that you've got 
let's say real estate to work with. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think everyone kind of pictures breastfeeding in kind of that typical, like, Oh, you just put the baby on the nipple and off they go. But no, they're, they're breast, breastfeeding. That's right. (laughs) They're not nipple feeding. And so they actually have to be able to take a mouthful of breast tissue. It's not just the nipple. Um, and the only way to achieve that is to kind of direct their chin as low as you possibly can. So I always kind of tell my moms to overcompensate. Think that you're starting way too high. Start with a nipple at the top of their nose, basically, and you brush down across that lip. And as they, and they'll start to open a little bit, a little bit, you ignore yeah. those, they're teasing you, don't fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wait for this big gaping mouth. It looks like a yawn. That's the one you want to wait for. Yep. That's the one you go and you got to be really quick because they're mm. fast and they just close and off they go again. <laughs> and so it takes a little bit of, it's like a game between you and your baby. Yeah. <laughs> Who's well, quicker? <laughs> while, while you're trying to master this skill, definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. multiple attempts is perfectly perfect. fine. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, again, that kind of comes back to that starting early. You've got time because you haven't got a baby that's really distressed and has yeah. been, you know, hungry for a while. And now we're, you know, getting to the point where they're not going to be patient and wait for you to wait for that big mouth, even though it's for their own good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, this is, this is very much kind of focusing on your first couple of weeks. Like it's, it's once you've kind of gotten into the swing of this, it will just come so naturally to you. It's not something that's going to be, you know, difficult and like technique kind of heavy. You're not going to spend the next multiple weeks and months sitting here doing Doing this. This This is literally establishing correct breastfeeding from the beginning, the technique from the beginning, which I think is really important to highlight and mention because the last thing we want is, is mothers to think, well, this is what the next really hard. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the next six months, 12 months of my life looks like. It is not. This is the beginning first feeds, first couple of weeks, newborn phase. Absolutely. And it's also, and I love this um, example and I've probably already said it in this podcast. I'm so sorry. But it's like learning to drive a car, right? Like your first time getting behind the wheel, like you're so overwhelmed by how the car even operates, especially if it's a manual. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not going to talk about my experience I, driving I a manual. But <laughs> I cannot drive a manual. I cannot drive a manual. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's taking in all the road rules. It's learning how to brake properly without, you know, <laughs> hitting the person in front of you. Like there's, there's so many kind of external like factors that are constantly like it's an overload of information. Um, but over time and every single time you try it and you do it properly, you get to a point where now you can just drive to the shops. You don't even remember how you got there. You went through nine intersections and six roundabouts. And if you're in Australia (laughs) and uh, like all of these different, you know, places and things that used to be kind of like work for you to actually think about. It's autopilot. It's autopilot. It really is. And that's exactly how breastfeeding does become. I would often look at some mothers and think, how on earth are they – how are they doing that? How are they doing that? They're standing there at the kitchen bench. (laughs) They've just got bub straight on the boob and they're doing something else for their toddler. How? Yes. Because they're on autopilot. They have gone. practiced it. Exactly right. Absolutely. Definitely. And I, I, ironically, I hear, I hear a lot of mums say that to me. They're like, but it just looks so easy for everyone else. Like, but they've done those like that. They did the hard yards at the beginning. They learned the correct attachment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is what's going to come for you too, mum. I assure you. (laughs) It's going to, be better I promise <laughs> and I mean again this is kind of focusing on like like how to help some of help troubleshoot some issues that can come up for some like I said for some people they just kind of baby on and off they go so yeah there's kind of a whole a range of uh, mums and babies in this scenario um so yes waiting for that nice big open mouth um not allowing baby just to grab the nipple only um on that point to 
uh, in your mouth, if you fill with your tongue right behind your front teeth, I'm doing it now. I'm uh -huh. talking. <laughs> so am I. That is your hard palate. So now, if you fill back as far as you mm. can with your tongue, yep. <laughs> it's really soft. Mm. So that's the soft palate of your mouth. You want your nipple to be in the soft palate area of mm -hmm. your baby's mouth, not the hard palate. And uh, obviously, the rationale you can just hear it from how they're called <laughs> or what they're called, sorry, um, is that if the nipple ends up just in the front of your baby's mouth, they are opening and closing their mouth with quite a lot of suction at the beginning um, using their hard palate. And you can immediately see where that's going to go. It's going to yeah. start causing issues, pressure on the nipple. It can start causing pinching. Um, a lot of the time when the baby comes off, you can see the nipple is ridged yeah, or blanched on the end of it. Distorted in shape yep. too. Yep. It's a different shape. Um, and the thing too about colostrum, so as your breast milk is starting to come in, colostrum does require quite a high suction for them to be able to actually get it out. Mm -hmm. um, and so with high suction and in the wrong position, so if the nipple is in their hard palate, you can kind of see where this is going to go. Mm -hmm. And they start um, causing damage to the nipple and they can do it in one feed. And that's not to cause fear or induce fear. It's It's more just to I guess, help to understand why it's so important to wait for that big wide open mouth and to mm -hmm. respond to those early cues and make sure that you're comfortable and in a good position and not holding all of this baby's weight. Like it kind of all comes together so that you're in a good position to make sure that you're getting that attachment right as soon mm. as you can and right from the bat so that you don't end up running into nipple damage, which kind of cascades. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so we say baby, like when baby detaches from the nipple, that your nipple should still be round. It can be elongated, obviously, because it's been in their mouth and hopefully right to the very back of that soft palate. Yep. Um, but it should be still round. It should resemble the same shape as it did when it went in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that kind of also brings me to N, which stands for no pain. Very important. Yep. Um, I think kind of a common misconception is that, uh, you know, breastfeeding is supposed to be uncomfortable. Um, it's supposed to be painful. You know, it's a, it's a period where your nipples have to get used to a baby. There's kind of a lot of evidence out there of trying to prepare your nipples for a baby, you know, while you're pregnant and stretching and pulling and all of that stuff is not relevant. Um, you don't mm -hmm. have to do any of that. You don't have to, you know, stretch them out. Nothing like that. Yeah. Um, the reality of the situation is pain indicates a problem. You mm -hmm. should not be in pain. Um, now pain can happen for a couple of different reasons. Um, usually, and kind of first and foremost, it's a shallow latch. So you know, your baby has just attached to the nipple only that hard palate is impacting your nipple. It's pinching. Um, a lot of mums can kind of describe it as, yeah, like a pinching or a burning sensation. Um, but it shouldn't feel like that perhaps a tugging, which can be uncomfortable mm -hmm. if you are not used to that feeling. And obviously having a baby that's feeding very often, they can be tender, yeah. um, particularly the first couple of days, but pain is not normal. Bleeding is not normal. Cracks, it can all go down a very, not very friendly path. But these, all of these things can be eliminated by correct attachment. And yes. that's why I'm, I think all of these points go hand in hand with yes. one another. Like Absolutely. you said, you get your positioning right. You get the timing right. You yeah. get the nipple in the soft palate right. of the mouth. Yeah. All of these things go hand in hand yes. and help to achieve the correct latch, correct latch which yeah. then in turn moves on to a longer, successful Definitely. breastfeeding journey. Absolutely. Um in terms of, I forgot where I was going to go now. <laughs> um, in terms of what you should not see 
and what you should see. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll go through that too in yeah. terms of how, like, how do you know once the baby is on if there isn't pain, but do you know they're attached well is mm-hmm. something that I get asked a it's, lot. There's like a lot of visual indicators as yes. to whether yeah. attachment is correct or not. Yeah, definitely. So, um, firstly, we'll go through what you don't want to see. Uh, you don't want to see your baby's lips curled in. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some, you know, restrictions to that, you know, like I said, kind of every mom and baby is different. So in that sentence as well, it does mean that, you know, baby's mouths are built differently. Some babies, you know, have a different positioning of their tongue. There may be some oral restrictions there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say oral restrictions, I'm talking about tongue ties. There's yep. a lot of information like the market and social media is kind of oversaturated with information about tongue ties, lip ties, cheek ties. You know, do we diagnose them? Do we treat them? Do we not? Mm-hmm. Um, and my answer to that is it's a case by case basis. Yeah. Um, and it requires a big picture overview. You can't kind of just look in a baby's mouth and be like, oh, make the tongue's diagnosis. tied. Yeah. Yep. Um, and for lactation consultants, technically we also don't formally diagnose them, but we can definitely do multiple um like assessment tools or performance, uh, sorry, oral um, assessment to just make sure that the tongue is able to move, that the, you know, your baby is able to attach properly, that there's good suction. Um, and then we can refer on if we think that there is an issue. So mm-hmm. when I say lips shouldn't be curled in, that that's different for every baby a little bit too. Some babies have bigger lips and smaller lips and, mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, so lips, they should look like, um, they should be flanged outwards if you can. Yep. Um, I don't know why we use this example. I picked it up from someone and I can't get rid of it and I'm going to do it here too. <laughs> but um, like the special K lips, you know, the cereal, the K. Yeah. <laughs> can you see me pouting? I'm sitting here pouting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying yes. to get your lips out. Like, got, my like lips, this. got my lips out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so it's having having the lips out and not curled in. And that's obviously because that lip curled in can actually cause pressure on the nipple. Yep. And they can also get what we call sucking blisters, which is on the top of their nipple. And that's obvious, like that's a kind of a sign for us if we see sucking blisters on the top of their lip, yep. that maybe their lips aren't in the right position mm-hmm. on the rest. It's not always the case, but yeah. Um, Something so, to look out for. Yeah. So lips can't be curled in. Cheeks shouldn't be dimpling either. So when they're sucking, you shouldn't see their cheeks being pulled in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just to do with how the, how they're sealing onto the breast. So um, babies, when they are attached to the breast correctly, they, they don't actually suck in the way that we suck, like on a straw, for example. Mm-hmm. They actually use their tongue like a vacuum. So they vacuum seal the breast tissue in their mouth. It sounds really weird, but anyway, <laughs> bear with me. No, it, it's definitely good to get an understanding yeah. and, and a visual, 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 to kind of visualize, <laughs> visualize what's happening. Yeah, yeah there. exactly. Yeah. So they basically, once the nipple's in the correct spot, right in the back of the soft palate, they lift their tongue, their lips are sealed around the breast tissue. And all they have to do then is just lift and lower their tongue and the milk will flow mm-hmm. as opposed to that sucking motion that we kind of picture. Yep. Um, so yes, no cheek dimpling. You shouldn't also hear clicking either. You can sometimes hear a baby clicking when they're on the breast. Mm -hmm. That can indicate that there is air getting into that seal somewhere. So um, whether it's when they let go of the breast and like everything is moving, um, or it could be, you know, a sign that there is something that hasn't been diagnosed in their mouth. Um, But yeah, it's an important thing to know. There shouldn't be kind of consistent clicking. Okay. Yep. Through a feed. Um, instead what you should see is like I was saying that the lips should be flanged out. You should be able to see, um, kind of a rhythmical sucking initially for babies who are just getting colostrum. You might just see short kind of shallow looking sucks Mm -hmm. as the milk starts to come in. You'll actually be able to see like a 
big, long socks. They look like a wave. Again, I'm trying to demonstrate. I know nobody can see this, but <laughs> you can. So I, can, I can see. <laughs> um, but it's a very rhythmical suck and it kind of involves all of their jaw, even like movement right up into their temples. It's a very purposeful suck. And you'll get to know as you watch your baby, you know, yeah. feeding over time, you'll be like, oh no, I know now he's definitely feeding what we, what we call nutritive sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can also be accompanied by hearing them swallow occasionally as well. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's some things to look for. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, Karen, just go over your dot points again for me, your acronym. Yep. Break it so, down again for me. Yep. So, BF uh, stands for baby-led feeding. So, that's mm-hmm. your demand feeding. Feed your baby when they ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sessions. So, S stands for supported. Yeah. So, that's your back and arm support. E stands for early. Offer as early as you can. S stands for skin-to-skin self-explanatory mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the other s stands for shoulders so supporting your baby by the shoulders not the head i stands for in line so in line with your body um, o stands for open mouth so waiting for the right mouth and the right timing mm-hmm. n stands for no pain very important or no pain and no pinching whichever you prefer to remember <laughs> yeah um, and then s at the end of sessions which is our last kind of point um, and that is seek support mm-hmm. um for myself personally, as a lactation consultant, I find that I'm kind of the last person to come in at the very end. Um, whereas, you know, kind of if we had been involved at the beginning, we could have prevented a lot of issues before they get to this point. You know, even just us having this conversation just to kind of like as an introduction to some things to look for, just knowing what's not right, even just knowing that your baby is supposed to take breast tissue in their mouth as well, not just the nipple. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. And they kind of go into this journey thinking, oh, like you just put them on and, and everything's okay. And, and so go. it makes a really big difference to have that education to start with. And I think, um, yeah, it feels a bit self-promoting, but if we could get that lactation support out earlier and, you know, and encourage mums to ask these questions before they have a baby, know what to expect and, um, you know, not be afraid to put their hand up for help in that first, you know, couple of days when they're trying to learn this skill is so important to prevent. Well, that's exactly what our aim and our hope and intention is that Mm. we can bring that support and that awareness to different things such as attachment and breastfeeding and that, you know, no allowing mothers to know that they have a support network and there's options there for people to reach out yes. to and, and ask the questions. So in saying Absolutely. that, in terms of the support, what would be your primary um, recommendations for different support yep. for mothers? So when you're in hospital, it's kind of easy because there are people everywhere. Um, you can ask your midwife, nurses, pediatrician. Um, you can ask to see a lactation consultant in the hospital. Um you need someone that's got good experience with breastfeeding and even just getting multiple opinions. Um, we, I think for me personally, and having worked in a hospital environment for many years, there are a lot of different techniques and tips that we can kind of all implement and we all practice and work a little bit differently. And again, because we've looked at so many different moms and babies, there are so many different ways to try and help. Um, some are going to work and some are not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's important to try and have a range, like let yourself be open to, if you can kind of a range of different options, because you might just find one that works perfectly for you and baby. Um, I kind of tell everyone just to be a sponge, like just take all the information in as much as you can and just get rid of the stuff that doesn't work for you. Yeah, give it a go. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Move give on to the next thing yeah. until you find the thing that works perfect that works. for you and bub and yeah, then you absolutely. continue on that way. Yeah. And then when you get home, um, it really depends on uh, whereabouts you are, where you've delivered. If you deliver in the 
public system or in this public setting, you will have kind of um, pretty good follow-up with a midwife who will come out to the house Mm -hmm. um, and will see you at home. They'll check your attachment. Again, keep in mind, they're only looking at kind of one feed in a 24-hour period, and that can just be so variable. Um, So write your questions down. Don't be afraid to write write all your questions down, ask them. um, What would you say to, uh, in adding on to that, if um, Mm. you weren't sure how to write down exactly what's happening, what about videoing? Take video. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, midwives love videos (laughs) (laughs) because we can actually see what you're experiencing. You know, like um, I've had, you know, I had a mom the other day who, brought me a video of a baby clicking and she didn't kind of know that clicking is a thing or she was like, what is this? Like, why is this happening? Is and I was happening? like, I'm so glad I've seen it. Cause now I can tell you why it's happened. Let's yeah, investigate definitely. it. Yeah. So definitely um, makes a big difference. And especially because, you know, the midwife may not turn up at a time where a feed is due. They may not, they may not see a feed. So yeah. it's good to have, yeah, a record. Yeah. Fantastic. Definitely. Um, so community health is a really good, um, resource um, and they can follow you, you know, all the way through. They can refer you on if there are kind of issues that are ongoing and you're not sure or they're not sure. Um, and then your lactation consultants definitely too, obviously a big advocate <laughs> might be a little bit biased. <laughs> um, but if you're in Australia or New Zealand, you can use the um, lactation consultants of Australia, New Zealand page, mm-hmm. which we will link. Yep. Um, which is find a lactation consultant in your area. So you literally just put in your postcode, look up how many Ks you want away from you and you can find one that can either come to you or you can go to them um, and they can actually come and see a feed and and work with you too to try and troubleshoot those issues. Um, I think that there are so many, for me, it's it's hard to kind of see a journey that's come to an abrupt end that could have just with a couple of small tips and tricks and just to try a few different things could have been so much more, you know, beautiful it could have been less stressful it could have gone a totally different path it's hard yeah, to see most that definitely and i think that's so key in starting off a breastfeeding journey with knowledge and education mm, uh, behind you it can make definitely. all of the difference and in in our i guess in both our line of work it's it's so hard to see someone who says you know oh they've stopped breastfeeding or they've yeah. reduced their breastfeeds because of this and yeah. it's something that we know could yeah. have been quite easily been avoided different. and yeah. What you would do to go back to that one week ago and and help fix that feed to then see them continue on. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. It's it's really hard. I actually find it so sad when I hear stories like that. I'm so sad. (laughs) Well, I hope that we uh, as a partnership and we can help them. That's (laughs) exactly right. Bring them that range of education and support yeah. and let them know that they're not alone and 100%. different things that they do experience a are a normal yeah. and ways to overcome them. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, and things that should not be happening. And I guess kind of like points to mention, if you are concerned about your baby, mm-hmm. if you're not sure if you have, you know, an adequate supply for them, your milk supply or, you're worried about their weight, their behavior. Um, it is really important to seek advice um, and to to get that followed up immediately um, and find some way to to help. So things like um, you know if they're not getting weight, if you're not seeing a lot of wet nappies, um, if their behavior is off, they're fatigued, they're not you know demanding to be fed. These are all kind of things to be looking for um, when you get home. If there's any changes, and I'm not saying there will be, but just kind of to have yeah, an idea. Definitely, yeah, definitely seek some advice. Yeah, fantastic. All right, Karen, thank you so much for talking through the different stages of attachment and different things to look for during attachment. It has been definitely um, a great episode and something that I think so many new mums will 
gain so much knowledge and experience and understanding from having these points highlighted to them. Yeah. Are there any uh, other key points that you would highlight to uh, a new mum or an expecting mum in terms of attachment? Yes, definitely. Um, just like some additional tips. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, all for tips. There, there is more than one way to breastfeed. Um, I know I've kind of focused very much on positioning and having your baby in line with you, which is all very true, particularly when you're first starting out. Um, but there are different holds, positions, ways that you will feed that are more comfortable for you than somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, so very important to try them all. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. We do actually have a blog post that you have created for us as well. So what I'll do is I'll pop the link in for that. That does give a lot more visual identification as to different holds holds. and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second point that I probably mention is that, um, you know, while breastfeeding is natural, it is a skill and we've kind of gone into this a little bit already, but, um, you know, it does take time to master, to feel confident with. Um, and you've got to remember too, that your baby's also learning next to you. Um, you know, it's, it's a process where you both learn together. So I guess acknowledging that for what it is and, you know, being, like taking it easy on yourself and just being like, you know, I'm learning. This is something that, I, you know, I'm learning with my baby. We're doing this together yeah. um, as opposed to putting a lot of pressure on yourself um, is really important. Um, your mental health through this and recovering from your delivery and learning to respond to your baby's cues and bonding with them is, you know, such a huge component of being able to, um, you know, kind of establish this journey off at a good start. So it is really important to to remember that it's, it's going to take some time, but it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be so amazing. <laughs> Um, another point to mention would just be that you may not always notice your baby kind of gulping and swallowing straight away. Um, and that's okay when they first start feeding. And that's because like I was saying before, they're just getting colostrum, so small amounts. Um, so it's not necessarily a sign that they aren't having a productive feed. If you can't hear them swallowing, once your milk supply has established, you can really look for those nutritive suck, um, Mm -hmm. swallows that we were talking about earlier. Yep. So that will be a better sign. Um, the other thing too, is that some women can often feel a, what we call a letdown, which is where your milk is starting to let down during the feed. And some women don't feel it at all. And it's not abnormal for you to not feel it. It's not abnormal for you to feel it either. Like it totally fine either end. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do feel it, it might feel like a kind of like a tingling sensation, um, or an electric shock or pins and needles is how yeah. some people describe it. It's kind of different for every person, but you might not feel it. And instead you have to just watch your baby's behavior on the breast. And that's how you can tell, are they actually able to, you know, um, feed well, are they draining, draining the breast properly? Are they getting enough? And it's watching that behavior. Um, it's listening to them swallowing. If they're swallowing, if the milks come in, that's how you can tell, um, if you can't feel a letdown. So that's totally normal too. Mm-hmm. And yes, the last point I guess I would probably mention is what goes in has to come out. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to making sure your baby is okay, because obviously we can't see how many mills are going in there, um, it's just watching their nappies um, and just making sure that they are um, passing lots of clear urine. They should probably have about five to six kind of heavy, clear, wet nappies in a 24-hour period or more. Mm-hmm. Some babies like to do lots of little small wees and they might do seven or eight and other babies hold on to their wee. <laughs> they do like yeah. big wees every you know few hours. Um, ideally, if you can get to a point in your 24-hour period where you're not thinking about it and you're like, oh, she's had heaps of wees today, yeah. that's the best way to be because you just don't try not to track it, try not to focus too much on it, especially after the first week. Yep. Just feed your baby when they're hungry, keep an eye on their nappies. That's it. Just yeah. try and keep it as simple as you possibly can. 
Fantastic. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much, Karen. And until next time, uh, well, I look forward to the next conversation that we have and the next amount of uh, educational information we can bring forward to our followers. Thank you. Uh, guys, if you have any questions or concerns in relation to this episode, please feel free to pop any comments through. I will pop all of the links as well so that you can access anything uh, relatively easily that's uh, referencing any of our blog posts and then also the support links that Karen mentioned earlier for finding a lactation consultant uh, and everything like that. So thank you so much guys. And I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. To learn more about what was covered in this episode, including a summary, timestamps, a few quotes from the episode and any links mentioned, please refer to the show notes or visit milkygoodness.com.au. Topics addressed in this podcast are based on the personal accounts and experiences of mothers, midwives, lactation consultants, and other health professionals. The information provided in these podcasts is therefore generalised and may not apply to all circumstances. For further information and advice that is appropriate for your specific circumstances, please seek support from your own health professional.